Hello and welcome to another episode of Not Too Deep. I'm your host, Grace Helbig. Very excited to have a TV host, podcaster, overall incredibly sweet human being and wonderful interviewer, Danielle Robay with us today. We talk all about uh, starting her new podcast, Pretty Smart, where she has conversations with people that are pretty, not in the traditional sense, people that are uh, smart and witty and interesting and ambitious and all of these very cool conversations and cool topics. Um, cool energy. Cool. It's <laughs> my age showing. I just keep using the word cool. We also talk about how she got started uh, in Los Angeles. She moved here with uh, no contacts, uh, lived in a garage, would try to uh, find people's e- emails and physical addresses and mail them cookies to try and network and get gigs. She's got a wild journey of how she's gotten to where she is. We also talk about the time that she had breakfast with the one and only Larry King. She watched him eat cereal and blueberries. Ugh, a dream come true. And we just talk about, um, she gives great advice about uh, finding, you know, your core group of of friends, finding your purpose, uh, how to have conversations with people. I learned a lot from this podcast and I hope you do too enjoy this episode of Not Too Deep with Danielle Robay Danielle I'm very very excited to talk to you because just in like doing some research of you and trying to get kind of a handle on um, you you and your life I am exhausted by how hard you work <laughs> I'm so excited to hear all about it. But first and foremost, I'm curious how you describe uh, yourself to someone that might not know you in your like business sense or personal sense. Like, how do you describe what you do? That's such a good question. First of all, and I don't want to like, I hate when podcasts turn this into like, oh, you're amazing. You're amazing. So I don't want to do that. But I have been a Grace Helbig fan for a decade. I'm really excited about this. I've been looking forward to this all week. So thank you for having me on. Of course. Also, I know that you are an incredible interviewer. So um, I was already like, this is going to be really fun because interviewers know how to talk and I don't have to like pull teeth to figure out anything. And two, um, I know I will probably be getting some questions because anytime I get interviewed, I can't help but ask questions in return. So I'm all prepared. Okay, perfect. It's for sure going to happen. Wonderful. Um, I tell people I'm a TV host and interviewer. Oh no, I didn't uh-uh. turn it on. Uh, do not. That's, a not, that's an opportunity calling right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's always available for you. If only it were a man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's definitely just work. Um, I am a TV host and interviewer. So uh, I work at the NBC station in LA. I work at IMDb. And then I have my podcast, Pretty Smart, which is my baby because anybody like you did a show on E people that like work in media know that there are a lot of, um, there's a lot of red tape. Yeah. And so this podcast similar to yours is all me. I get to ask anything I want. I get to say anything I want and it Wonderful. is the most gratifying thing I've done in 10 years. That's great to hear. Also, this is a safe space that you can just heads up, curse, say whatever you feel comfortable saying. There's no censorship here. Um, I'm curious, how did you get started? I know that you went to school for journalism and like TV. Is that where it started? 
Yeah. Um, I started, uh, I went to the university of Wisconsin, Madison, and I was a journalism and poli sci major. And I did like internships at the local news station in Madison, uh, which like people that do local news know that like the camera is so old, it's heavier than you are most (laughs) of the time. And it's so cold. I was in the snow and I was like, you know, I love telling stories and I love writing, but I feel like the internet's going to be a thing. And Mm. this was like, you know, like Instagram existed, but it was not a thing yet. YouTube was, was like on its way up. And I booked a one-way ticket to LA, moved into a garage and said, I'm going to figure this out. And I started doing red carpets and that was kind of my first foray into entertainment. So, okay. I've done red carpets and I will um, say I hate doing red carpets (laughs) so much. It is for people that don't know, it is a very, um, uh, almost untamable beast sometimes. And so I'm, I'm interested in that was something that you sought out to do just to like get your foot in the door kind of situation. Yeah. So it's so weird that you like, I know what you mean. Cause now I don't love red carpets, but back yeah. in the day, I loved red carpets. I was yeah. so excited to just like, you know, I grew up in Chicago. And so at, where did you grow up? I grew up in New Jersey. Okay. So similar. Yeah. It's like LA is a foreign land yes. and you only read about celebrities in us weekly and all those like trashy magazines on yes. like the Stairmaster growing up. So <laughs> exactly just to be in LA and to like see any sort of celebrity in real life and get to talk to them and ask them questions was super exciting for me. It wasn't till later that I realized that I needed to pivot, that that wasn't going to be fulfilling. But at the sure. beginning, I was so excited. It is, um, I'm glad to hear that. And I can tell that you like talking to people. And that's those are the kind of things I remember being thrown into red carpets. And the first one that I did, no one tells you how to do any of it. There's no like class for like red carpet correspondence or anything. And you're basically like in a free for all of trying to get another human being's attention and then quickly ask questions that are relevant to that person before someone else does. And I just didn't have the... um confidence or aggressiveness to like compete in that world because it's a bit competitive i'm curious do you have obviously like your worst red carpet moment that you remember oh yeah you know i've never told this story but yes for sure i was so trauma if it's too triggering if it's too triggering you don't have to tell it (laughs) no i will totally tell it he deserves for it to be told at this point okay Um, so it was a random red carpet for like an online outlet. I was not getting paid. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that show wings? It was like a show about like two brothers at an airport hangar. Okay. Um, That makes sense. It was a random show. I actually don't even know his, like his name. Um, but he was the, one of the brothers on Mm -hmm. wings. And, um, I said, I, my opening line to him was like, Oh my God. I used to fake sick from school to watch your show. Like I loved wings and I think he thought I was calling him old. Yeah. It was very, it was an irrational reply. And he was like, it takes no skill to do what you do. And he swatted the mic from my hand. Oh my God. Who do you think you are? And I was, it was like my third red carpet ever. I was shaking. (laughs) I was like, I thought I was going to cry. I was like, hold it together. Danielle got the mic, went back. And I was like, okay, so what are you here for tonight? (laughs) (laughs) So who are you wearing? Yeah, exactly. Uh, It was ridiculous. Wow. And you still persevered. That's uh, incredible. I mean, you and you love something like what? Because you've done so many things. Like, what's the thing? What is your thing that you're like, I love this so much? 
Oh, that's I'm kind of in a crossroads of that right now. But I will say that the joy I had in starting out making YouTube videos, like from the comfort of like the tiny apartment that I was in at the time. Yeah. While I was going on like auditions for traditional TV stuff and feeling like just wildly insecure and like that I had to look sexy when I just wanted to wear sweatpants all the time. Like being able to leave that space and come back to my own space and just make silly things um not knowing what would happen was like truly one of the most joyous like eras of my life and so yeah i'm but then at the same time you know like you not knowing what the stability of youtube was i was always doing these like press junkets for things and like red carpet events to just try and like hustle in both worlds and it's uh it's pretty stressful well, you were also a YouTube pioneer. So like no one had paved any sort of path. You had no North Star to look to. No, not at all. But then like, you know, these other companies, because like when you, did you work at Clever? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're going over there. And I remember that's where I met like Jocelyn Davies and all these people that also were coming like kind of straddling the line between traditional and like new uh, new media but also being confident that like the new media stuff was important and like should be covered. Uh, I'm curious like what your experience was there. Cause I feel like Clever was one of those networks that like kind of launched into the reporting or journalism side of the internet stuff. I love that you know what Clever is. It's like so fun oh, yeah. for me to talk about. Um, love it. Because Clever was similar to, I think how you talk about your YouTube moment. Like, yeah that was the early days of joy for me. I got to work with Jocelyn, who you mentioned, and like five or six other awesome hosts who are, I think all of them now have gone, besides one, have gone on to be influencers. Mm. Um, And our office was so fucking fun. (laughs) No, I remember coming in there uh, and not even knowing what Clever was and just being like, well, this is a fun office. This is pretty cool. Yeah, everyone just seems so happy to be there. We were like, we went to work and got to be with our friends and talk about things that were funny and Mm -hmm. be creative. Like, I forgot what those... um, there were like electric scooters. We like rode those around in the office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kelly boards or something like that was a fire hazard. Um, (laughs) But like, we did the most fun things. And I was always the one looking back, that was like a little bit nervous because Mm -hmm. I wanted to be a journalist. And Mm. so I was doing these videos where they were screaming insane things. And I was like, (laughs) I want to be on the Today Show one day. (laughs) I can't be in this video. (laughs) Your children need to knock it off. The professional is working. (laughs) And I think if you would ask them, they would be like, Danielle was fun, but really took things seriously. Whereas they were like (laughs) wanting to just have fun. And I wish I could have let go a little bit. I wasn't, I don't think confident enough, um, in my own skill set at that point to just let go. Yeah. yeah, But that was one of the best times of my life. And I made lifelong friends. That's, I mean, very cool. And I think everyone in that world, at least the people I know that kind of started or like cut their teeth there, like really have, blown up into different avenues that I could never have really predicted for them. So it's really fun to like look back in this nostalgic yearbook kind of way on everything. Yeah. And we got to, we got to talk about the internet. Like no one was really talking about YouTube. 
that was the coolest thing is that, you know, every interview that I was doing was like convincing people that the internet was a very cool and interesting space. But I, you, there was no um, like blueprint or any sort of, you know, proof of the matter. It was just like this instinct that everyone kind of had. And going to Clever, I felt like people like, you know, you're with your people. <laughs> They're like, we respect what you're doing and we're also doing it. So it was just yeah. like a nice uplifting environment. Um, okay, let's talk about the podcast. So I'm shocked, first of all, that it's been this long for you to launch one. But like you said, this has been like your passion project is what it sounds like. Yeah, you know, something you said earlier in this interview really struck me when you said like you had to you were yourself on YouTube in your house. And then you had to like be sexy and put on this kind of act. Um, yeah. And I think most, I haven't, I haven't met a woman yet who's escaped this. So if there's one out there, kudos to them. But I think most women have a point in their early twenties where they abandon themselves. Mm. And I did that in my career. I was trying to, I wanted so badly to be taken seriously as a TV host that I was like modeling what I had seen on TV and wearing yeah. these dresses and doing my hair a certain way and yeah. speaking a certain way. And I thought everything had to be perfect. And I was so frustrated by it. And at yeah. some point I read a book called Beauty Sick. Mm -hmm. And it really changed my life because the author who's a psychologist says that the number one most important thing we must be as women in America is pretty. And mm. that's how we gain all of our social capital, any yeah. reward that we receive. And I thought about all the pretty women in my life and they were pretty bold, pretty witty, pretty strong, pretty smart. They had bumps and bruises. They weren't perfect. And that's what made them so pretty. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there needs to be a show that has conversations with these women where yeah. we don't make stupid people famous. Yeah. I'm and for that. that. Thank you. I, <laughs> your show does that. You know, it's like, let's push the culture ball forward. And so yeah. pretty smart. I, I aim to do that every week. And um, yeah, it's so, I leave so inspired by each conversation. That's awesome. And did, um, I assume like you're doing this all yourself. It sounds like it sounds like you've been like a one woman band since you started even. How did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> I watched your video that you posted as the, um, uh, the promo for the podcast um, where it gives like your life story of like living in what, like a ba uh, not a basement garage out here when yeah. you first moved out here. And yeah. also did I read somewhere that you like would send people cookies um, <laughs> like to as a business kind of like networking tool? Yeah, this it's actually a good strategy for anyone out yeah. there. Yeah, no, I um, think this is great. Please tell us all about this. <laughs> yeah, you know, credit to my mom because she always said to me, if you want something, go get it. And mm -hmm. I think we tell a lot of men that or boys and we don't really tell a lot of women that. Mm. Um and my mom was a spitfire. She always went after what she wanted and taught me to do the same. And so when I moved to LA, no one would answer my emails, my calls. I didn't know one person wow. and I didn't have a reel, which for like, in, that's basically a resume in what I do. Yeah. And so I would, I would find people's addresses online and send them boxes of cookies or like a bamboo plant. 
And I would like write this really weird letter. I was like, hi, so-and-so. Um, it's like, I really love what you're doing. I'd be really specific. I researched them. Like if they yeah. were a pop, like I was a poli-sci major. Like I saw that you were a political science major at Drake College. Like I was super specific. Um, and if anybody drops out or is sick or you need somebody last minute, here's my information, you know, XOXO, Danielle. And I would put my email and yeah. I would so most of the time get emails back saying like, hi, Danielle, thanks for the cookies. Really unnecessary, but much appreciated. We don't have anything, but we'll keep you in mind. <laughs> if you weren't asking for a job at the end of it, just the, the setup of that sounds like a police should be uh, called in some capacity. Hi, I heard you're a poli-sci major. My name's Danielle. You don't know me, but I know you. Exactly. And I love what you're doing. Yeah. And I know your coffee order is two cream, one sugar. Like I was super specific, but eventually it worked because one of those companies called me last minute. I was like, you know, doing something in Hollywood. And, yeah. um, I got a call and they said, our reporter dropped out. Can you be at the Paley center in two hours? And I said, yes. And I ran home and got dressed. And that's how I actually got my first paid gig. Wow. That's yeah. incredible. Just yeah. making yourself available and making sure that people know your name. I think that's fantastic. And I think people think that you need connections for things. And like, man, that helps, but I didn't have any. And so when you don't have any, you got to like get a little bit creative. Yeah. And figure it out. I mean, that's so wild to me. I mean, I moved out here 10 years ago, but I moved from New York and had known people from New York out here. So I can't imagine what it's like to start out here with, with no one. So kudos to you. That's really incredible. Um, I also saw that you have had breakfast with Larry King. Uh, how did this happen? The king, um, the king, you know, one of my good friends, uh, for my birthday, they know, like, I'm not really a thing person. Mm -hmm. And I think it was my 27th birthday, 26th or 27th birthday. And he said, I have a gift for you. And I said, don't get me a gift. I don't need anything. Yeah. And he said, no, no, no. I have a gift. Uh, be ready at six 30 in the morning on Tuesday. And I was like, 6.30? <laughs> I don't want to wake up at 6.30. He was like, and do your hair and makeup. And I was like, I definitely don't want to do my hair and makeup at 6.30. Yeah, you're going to have to give me a little more information than this. Exactly. <laughs> he was like, do not ask questions. You'll thank me later. So wow, got ready. He took me into Nate and Al's diner in Beverly Hills. And we walked in and he said, take a left. And we turned left and there at the table was Larry King and a bunch of his friends. So Larry would have breakfast every day, six days a week uh -huh. with a bunch of his old friends. And, um, it was always at like three different diners. They had a schedule. Okay. And so I had breakfast with them that one morning. And in my head, I'm like, this is not the last breakfast I'm going to have with Larry. Like <laughs> I am going to have breakfast. This is going to be a thing. Like I want, I, he would tell me stories about interviews. And in my head, I was like, yep. And you were wearing purple suspenders. Like I yeah. knew these interviews. I studied <laughs> him. So it was like, it's so... just like someone that knows every episode of friends and you know, every Larry interview possible. Exactly. <laughs> like I knew the line that was coming. Yeah. That's incredible. So it was amazing, but he taught me so much. Yeah. Um, and I think that's like the importance of trying to connect with people who you admire, who have done what you want to do because their wisdom and their stories are just invaluable. Yeah. 
Yeah, he seemed like a very curious person, just genuinely. Um, that's incredible. I would, I mean, God, yeah, to watch Larry King eat anything, I think would be <laughs> just such a fun experience, let alone sit Cheerios and, and blueberries, Grace. Actually, <laughs> like a toddler. What a sweet man. Oh, when I was launching the podcast right before he passed away. Yeah. Um, so he used to use this old school mic. And so I yeah. bought one on eBay and I had him sign it. Wow. So that's I keep incredible. it right here as my little Larry memento. I love that. That's so cute. Yeah. Um, okay. We're going to take a break real quick. And when we get back, uh, I have more questions for you. So we'll be Amazing. right back with more Not Too Deep. Hello, listeners. Grace Helbig here. Wanting to say two things. A big thank you for listening to the podcast. Uh, if you're a regular listener, if this is your first time listening, welcome and thank you. And uh, second thing, if you are enjoying yourself here in this not-too-deep world we've built and you'd like to leave us a review, that would be so wonderful. If you can go to the iTunes store, the App Store, and leave us a lovely little review comment. How are you feeling? Good? Bad? Otherwise? Maybe just good or otherwise would be appreciated. Other than that, enjoy the podcast. I'm curious how your podcast versus TV is going. Like you said, you get to like explore your own thoughts in like a full unedited format. Is that yeah. something you're still finding your footing with? I think so. I mean, I hope I'm getting better. Um, I'm trying to like, I write all these outlines because I want the interview to go a certain way. And I yeah. realize like the magic is not in those moments. Like you have to just really be present. So I think I'm learning, but I love like, I love talking to the people that I get to speak to. Like, I don't want to talk to Kylie Jenner. I don't give a yeah. fuck about her. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like, I, it's so cool to meet like real soulful, smart people. It's amazing. Yeah. The authenticity of like talking to someone that's real um, is, for lack of a better word, authentic. You can't manufacture that kind of like conversation with someone. How have you felt? Because... Um, You've been doing this since 2015, which is nuts. Yeah, this um, it's I love it, and I feel like this podcast started as like this incredible superfluous response to very deep podcasts that felt like very overwhelming coming from like a more short format kind of platform like YouTube. That I was like, they I were do too serious in the beginning. They were very serious, but uh, I also just wasn't ready to be listening or having those kinds of conversations with people. And now over the years, I'm like, I'm less interested in asking people like how many hot dogs they think they could fit up their butt and like more interested in being like, so like, how did you get into this? And why did this like call to you or speak to you? So it's, it's a constantly evolving thing. However, we have retained a bit of the original essence of the podcast in the two questions that I ask every single guest. And that's what I'm going to ask you right now. The first one being, yeah. um, who alive or, de or dead would you most like to throw cold spaghetti at? Is this a positive thing or a negative thing? <laughs> it is entirely up to your intention. I let people know when they think 
when they get stuck thinking it is, you know, um, a, a, a hatred, a hateful act that you have the opportunity to make it a celebratory, joyous thing if you want. It's just up to you. And this answer can change all the time. So this is just who in this current moment while we're recording comes to you. OK, so there was a movie called It Takes Two with Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen. Yeah, I know it. <laughs> okay, good. I was hoping you would. And I had a big one of my favorite scenes. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of my favorite scenes is in when they like sneak into camp and have a fight in the dining hall with the um what are the like the burgers, the patties that are like Yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking the about. The sloppy joes. Yes. Yeah. And that looks like a fun thing. So <laughs> I would like to have a sloppy Joe fight, but a spaghetti, a cold spaghetti fight. I love that. Um, I think with the Kardashians. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fantastic. There is, um, I think they would be very confused and then they would think that it makes them relatable to participate. So they would do it and it would become a thing. And yes, then one and of them like ugly cry about it, but then post memes <laughs> making fun of themselves. Yeah. And then immediately eat salads to balance out that they were even near pasta for a second. Exactly. <laughs> um, okay. The other question I ask every single guest is to tell yeah. us your worst pants shitting story or like a bathroom emergency, like any sort of like emergency, <laughs> but, but you can only use three words or three small phrases to describe the event. Um, so mine, for example, is college jogging front lawn. Oh, wow. And yeah. I just learned so much within that. Um, right? I know. three short words. Okay. Um, red carpet. Yeah. Late. Oh, water bottle in the car. <laughs> You got to do what you got to do. And sometimes those carpets, one of the issues is that if you're working a red carpet, you're not allowed to leave your station. And so you have to make sure your body is correct in all of the things that could go wrong before you do anything. Yeah, maybe don't drink so much water, you know? (laughs) Yeah, that too. Um, I'm also interested uh, because you come from, you know, the the reporting in like the TV and and that sort of world. Um, I think somewhere you said pop culture, it, we consider it like cultural currency. Do you think because I I was just joking with a friend about this the other day that I I could tell you um, all about Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez reuniting and why that's so wild and nostalgic in my brain, but I couldn't explain like the Pythagorean theorem to save my life. And so my brain operates in like remembering pop culture things. Uh, I wonder like what your thoughts are on, I guess our obsession with it, if that's good or if it's bad, do you monitor yours? If you find yourself getting too uh, into all of it? I thought you were going to ask me my thoughts on J-Lo and Ben, which we could dig into. <laughs> well, that too. That too. Yeah. I, I I feel like they're trolling us, but I don't I know for so sure. Too. Yeah. Yeah. They both needed a, a little boost. Anyways. Yeah. Um, pop culture. I So I do believe it's our cultural currency. Like, I think that um, there is so much that divides us nowadays. Yeah. And 
pop culture connects us. It bridges us. We're all tapped into those same stories. We all saw J-Lo and Ben. Yes. And so we may be, we may disagree on a lot of things, politics, religion, whatever, but like that we're all tapped into. And we all can agree that Beyonce is the best performer living right now. Incredible. You know, so um, I think it's a beautiful thing. I think it it, it gives us like water cooler talk. Um, mm. But I do think that it's more meaningful than we we actually realize. So um, like, you know, the saying you are what you eat. Yeah. So I think, I think that we are, we think what we consume. And so I think we have to be careful about what we're scrolling, what we're reading, what we're looking at. Um, I actually unfollowed all of the Kardashians a few years ago. <laughs> Me too. I did it last year and it's been very freeing. <laughs> Mazel tov. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it is. And I unfollowed like some other people that I felt like weren't really teaching me anything or I wasn't like gaining anything from. Um, and I felt like what I was thinking about on a daily basis shifted. Yeah. So I think we just have to be careful because, um, it affects us and impacts us more than we actually realize. And, um, I also think that one of the cool aspects of it is it holds a mirror up to where we are. So mm. I remember like speaking of Kardashian, this whole thing is like, I don't like the Kardashians, but this whole episode I've been obsessed with. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like Caitlyn Jenner, when she came out as transgender, I felt like that conversation opened up a huge, broader conversation about transgender rights. Yeah. And for that, I was so grateful. And so I think we can take these moments in pop culture and have like way more meaningful conversations because pop culture makes them digestible. Yeah, that's a great perspective on that because, yeah, I'll find myself. um, Well, my fiance has called me out on saying, you seem extra um, on edge. I think you've been watching too many episodes of Real Housewives. <laughs> and I'm like, you're right. I've been watching these women fight with each other that I'm just ready to fight now about absolutely nothing. Yeah, your voice is like at a higher octave. <laughs> yeah, somehow I have two glasses of white wine that I, I we don't even have wine in the house. And I'm just like, ah, screaming about nothing. Um, <laughs> but I do think, yeah, being a bit conscientious about like the way we interact with it, because that's where I've been at this last year of just being like, do I care about this? I can't stop looking at it. But how do I be more intentional about my relationship with it and the way... I consume it or how much I consume of it. Yeah. Um, I think that's really cool. Okay. Now uh, we're kind of getting into a bit of deep territory, but let's keep it going. We uh, have this new section um, called Hot or Deep, where you can uh, choose between giving us uh, a hot take on a topic that we have for you, or you can choose to answer a deep question that we have prepared Ooh, for you. I love this game. <laughs> It's fun. This is very clever-esque. We loved games at Clever. I know, I know. You guys were always so great with it, which made the interviews so much more fun and like paced really like pleasantly to be a part of. But it's hard to come up with a good one. I'm like so impressed right now. Hot <laughs> Thank or deep, you. I love this. I'm going to go deep. Okie dokie. Here we go. <clears throat> and someone's answered something similar to this, but I think this is really interesting for you. Um, who are you without your work? Ooh. Uh, so if you had asked me this two and a half years ago, I don't think I could have even answered this question because yeah, my identity was so wrapped up in my work. Um, I was doing a morning show in Chicago 
And I quit, uh, partly because I found out I was being paid way less than my male co-host and partly because I was dating somebody in LA and I really wanted to give the relationship a shot. And so Mm -hmm. I quit my job and I moved back to LA and I was unemployed for a significant period of time. And a few other life things happened, Mm -hmm. but I got really depressed. Yeah. And I realized that so much of my joy came from work and I had spent so much time building a career that I had not really built a life. Yeah. And it was hard for me to digest because I really value connection. I really value people. And for someone who values those things to have not been living out my values was sort of hard to swallow. Yeah. So, um, I picked up some hobbies. Yeah. I did a friend cleanse because I was realizing that I actually was not so excited to call some of my friends. I felt more exhausted. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I want to, you know, those relationships you see on TV, like in the bold type and sex in the city where like the women like love each other so much. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, I fucking want that. (laughs) (laughs) You look around, you're like, why don't, where, where, why don't I have that? (laughs) Where's the coat closet where we all meet and giggle? Like, where's that? (laughs) And so... I invested significant time in my friendships, uh, made some new friends. I joined like a leadership group. I joined a tennis club. Oh, that's Um, great. Yeah. We get so many, we get so many questions on this podcast, um, about making adult friends. And it is truly one of the hardest things. And same, same for me that you kind of, that you went through of like, overly identifying yourself in your work and then having that like crushing realization that like this is who you are and who are you when you're not working and it's when it's just you twiddling your thumbs and not knowing what to do if you're not actually in a structured work environment yeah it uh it shocks your system it really does and you realize like what do I have left because yeah like those moments were cool and you have the memories and you have the accolades, but you're sitting on your couch and you're like, where's the laughter? Where's the fun? Where's the connection? A hundred percent. I totally, totally resonate with that. Um, Yeah. But also friend cleanse is kind of an underrated and great thing that I think people should really uh, invest their time in. Because once you, like you said, you're like, I'm not hanging out with anyone, nor do I want to, call any of these people to hang out because it's a lot of work then that yeah a red flag for self reevaluation have you ever done it um i think this last year has honestly by default been almost like a friend cleanse of like i find myself communicating with fewer people but more concentrated yeah. um and being like okay now that the world is starting to open up again like who am I excited to see that I haven't seen or who am I uh, excited that I've been talking to that I haven't spent time in um, that I want to spend time with? I also think it's changed people a lot. So I feel like are all the people that uh, I was friends with going to be totally different creatures now as we emerge back into the world, myself included? Who knows? Yeah, That's really interesting. I think a lot of people will probably feel that way too. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. I've already felt like the having to like pump myself back up for like social interaction and like remembering 
uh, you know, as an introvert, like that I do have a limit on how much I can do before I need to like go recharge my batteries and yeah. just reminding myself that everyone's going to be kind of freaking out or figuring out how to handle all of it and that I it should be so okay. Too. Yeah. Okay. We're going to take one last break. And when we get back, we're going to answer some uh, questions submitted by listeners and viewers that they need some help with. So we will be right back with more Not Too Deep. Okay, we are back and I have selected some questions that have been emailed to us. If you have any questions, email us at not too deep with Grace Helbig at gmail.com. A very simple, concise email address that rolls off the tongue. Um, okay, this question has been submitted by a listener from Brazil and they say, um, my question is, when you're in a conversation, what do you do when you simply don't know what to say? When you don't have any experience or opinion or interest on the subject, but don't necessarily want to end or change topics? That is such a great question. Yeah, I thought so. And as someone that's done so many interviews with people, I'm so curious about if you've collected any advice uh, on like how to have a conversation with someone. Yeah, I actually think that this is such a great question that people don't think about and struggle with all the time. Yeah. Um, I think there's a few things. The first is if you're in a group, I don't think you should feel the pressure to say anything. Um, mm. I really value people that speak when they like when they really have something meaningful and impactful to say. You don't have to be the loudest or the most talkative in the room. Agreed. That said, if you're like in a smaller group or a one-on-one -on -one and you feel like, oh my God, it's awkward. There's going to be silence. I need to think of something. Um, then there are a few things you can do. One is I made this mistake early on in my career. Uh, I would sometimes comment on people's physical appearance. Like I'd be like, oh, I love your mm -hmm. earrings. And it's genuine, but it, it actually makes people feel uncomfortable because all of a sudden they become aware of their appearance. Uh. So I wouldn't go for that. Interesting. Cause that's, yeah, that's been my go-to in real life with people. And I know that my intentions are like, I'm struck by the shoes that they're wearing and think yeah. they're really cool and want them to know. Uh, but yeah, I can totally see that that makes someone suddenly realize that eyes are on them and they're being seen whether they want to or not in that moment. Completely. Um, so I think I would go with something like really simple, like, wow, what was that experience like for you? Or mm. how did that make you feel? Yeah. Um, and so something really general, and you can have those two in your back pocket because it'll usually elicit a, a deeper answer. Yeah, um, totally. And, you know, I also think it's okay to pause. Like if somebody says something and you say, wow, that's really interesting. Let me think about that for a second. And then you come up with something. Yeah. Um, I, all, I, just, I think that we put so much pressure on silence and that's okay. It's okay to think about it. I agree. I think also depending on your comfort level with the people that you're with, uh, you know, if they're your best friends talking about something and you might be the quiet one in the group and it suddenly comes to you, there's no shame in being like, I don't know what to say about that. Totally. Uh, but I'm listening to everything that you guys are saying. Uh, also, like what you're saying asking questions about something you don't uh, need to have an opinion about anything you can be 
interested or develop interest by asking someone a question about it or just like you said saying i have no experience with that what it tell me more about it you know right. and let someone else tell talk. me more i'm so interested in hearing more is so it's so easy and so great yeah and it takes the burden off of you and gives you time to think of a question if you want to <laughs> ask a question but also agreed that and something i'm learning too is that being okay taking your time collecting your thoughts and pausing is okay because you know you want people to treat you the way you're treating other people so if someone else paused in front of you i'm sure you'd be very uh, accommodating to that so it's okay exactly and i think it shows that you're truly listening which is so respectful and i think people really appreciate that totally totally um Okay, here's the other question that I have uh, for you. This came from, let me see. Oh, we don't have a name for them, but it's about career. Okay, I'll cut to the chase with my dilemma. I have absolutely no idea what career path to follow. And no, not in your typical, I don't know what I want to do with my life kind of way. My issue seems to be that there are too many things I want to do and I can't seem to focus on actively pursuing any of them because I'm worried about making the wrong choice and then being too far behind to start again with something new. I kind of feel like the definition of jack of all trades, master of none. Probably worth noting that I have uh, major commitment issues and in perhaps self-sabotaging. So any advice, any comforting words of encouragement? Mm, that's really hard. First of all, kudos to you for being so talented. I wish I had all those things. <laughs> same, I was same, same, same. I think I don't see that necessarily as a weakness. I see that as a strength a bit. Yeah, I agree with you. What do you like? What do you I would love to hear what you think about this. This, uh, if you are worried about, uh, well, knowing that you have commitment issues and that you are uh, a self-sabotager, I think that uh, bing and bang, those are obviously what's happening here for you, especially if you consider yourself someone that wants to do everything. Um, But I do think that you, instead of making a commitment to whatever the thing is like thinking about it outside of yourself, maybe think of it about making a commitment to yourself in terms of like choosing something. Um, And I'm not because we don't have like the details on what industry or what kind of work you're trying to figure out what to do. um, There are worlds in which you can focus on something and then supplant kind of that focus with other avenues that you're interested in. Because I feel like you're someone, Daniel, that's constantly balancing a ton of plates at the same time without it, I don't think, taking away from what your main focus is. Yeah, I think so. Although I do think that they all kind of feed a similar yeah, sort of North Star, which is important because I do, I have some friends who are like this and they're so... I, I admire their talent. They're, they can paint, they can draw, they can sing, they can do all these different things. Yeah. And they don't find a lot of long-term success with any of them because I do think that it takes real time and dedication and a network, right? Like you're building contacts within a certain space just by being in it. Um, and so I would say pick one, hone in on it, and if you feel like it's not for you, jump to the next one and hone in and and do that until you actually find one um, or one that that feels like you can actually put a few of those things together. Yeah, because you're very much uh, again, I think I saw this on your Instagram, like 
uh, a list maker in terms like goal maker, like resolution setter kind of person? You know, I am, but not in the sense of like, I think we read all those articles and Forbes and Fortune yeah. where it's like, wake up at 4am, drink lemon. And like, I don't actually, I'm not that scheduled. Um, I don't, I have goals. I don't always meet them and I'm okay yeah. with that. Um, so it's not super structured, but I do think that if you don't know what you're working towards, like if you believe in manifestation or if you believe in like envisioning, which I think is so important, you have to see yeah. it, believe it to do it. Mm-hmm. I do think you have to, you have to be looking at something. And I also think one of a, a really good thing for this is to look at other people that are doing things that you're interested in and, mm. and like research how they did it. Yeah. A hundred percent. Also, uh, something that I find really helpful because even in terms of, uh, uh, choosing what to have for dinner or choosing like what to order for dinner, I will sometimes be so indecisive that I am worried about making the wrong decision on like ordering a type of food that I, I might <laughs> not want by the time it gets there, that I start by going, what do I absolutely not want? Like yeah. what, if you can chip away at some of the trades that you are working on, that might not be something you want to do, then it might become a little bit more clear to you, like which is the most exciting or which, you know, gives you the greatest kind of aspirational feelings. That's a great point. And in that vein, I think, uh, depending on where you're at in life, internships are like the best way. Yeah. To do that. Did you were saying that you did internships in your undergrad? I did so many internships. Yeah. I did internships like probably when I was too old to do internships because I just wanted to like experience things and see like, do I like a morning show? Do I like an entertainment show? You know, totally. And it just helps you. You never know who you're going to meet in those scenarios or what kind of contact will come back around years and years later for mm-hmm. you. Um, Danielle, we've reached into the podcast. This has been so fun. Thank you so much. Before you, uh, before we wrap up, we like to give our guests a little gift for making time for us. And that's a personalized horoscope from us to you that Melissa is putting in the chat for you. If you'd like to read yours out loud. Wait, do you know how amazing this is? I just posted an Instagram story this morning where the producer in my podcast said like, he's a Virgo and he's talking about all this Virgo stuff. And I was like, I don't know what that means. (laughs) Well, this is so great. Then it's in the stars for you today. Okay, dear Capricorn, goat of the stars, the lunar eclipse later this month encourages you to lay low and finally rest. Like seriously, lay down. I know you love to work, but zip it, watch a movie and chill the fuck out or else. <laughs> See, horoscopes can be so fun. Ali Wong, the comedian, had this yeah. funny joke about like lean in. And she was like, I don't want to lean in. I want to lay down. Yeah. And I just, every time I'm like, I need to lay down. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, Daniel, this is, like I said, so wonderful to be able to talk to you. And I could pick your brain for like another few hours on everything. But where can people find the podcast? Where can people find you if they don't already know? Thank you. Uh, I'm at Danielle Robay, R-O-B-A-Y on all social media platforms, mostly Instagram. And the podcast is pretty smart. The link is in my bio. Uh, but uh, I really think that if you are any kind of pretty, pretty bold, pretty witty, pretty strong, pretty smart, you'll enjoy it. So uh, excited to hear from you. 
Oh, I love it. It sounds like it's just really thoughtful conversations with very thoughtful people. And that's very exciting to me. So guys, go check out everything that she's doing. Go binge listen to the podcast. I'm sure you'll get all sorts of inspiration from it. Uh, And we'll see you guys next time on another episode of Not Too Deep. Goodbye. Too deep, too deep, too deep. Not too deep. With Grace Helbig. Not Too Deep is a production of Grace Helbig Incorporated. Producer Melissa D. Montz. Edited by Shireen Lani Yunus. Post-production sound by Chris Henry. And an extra special thanks to Flula for the theme music. (laughs) 